afternoon. Welcome to our Wednesday afternoon study. Uh, we have been doing a study on archaeology in the Bible, but Ray Peterson asked that we do something about on B'nai Noah throughout history. And so tonight we're going to change our venue just slightly for a few weeks. The very first time the word covenant appears in the Bible is Genesis chapter 10, verse 8 through 13. And God spake unto Noah and to his sons with him, saying, I, Behold, I establish my covenant with you and with your seed after you with every living creature that is with you, the fowl, the cattle, every beast of the earth with you, from all that go out of the ark to every beast of the earth. And I will establish my covenant with you, neither shall all flesh be cut off any more by the waters of a flood, neither shall there be any more flood to destroy the earth. And God said, This is my the token of my covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for, for perpetual generations. I do set my bow in the cloud and it shall be a token of the covenant between me and the earth. There are other uh, places uh, anywhere, and God said, uh, might be treated as, as a covenant. But the word covenant occurs here in the 10th chapter of Genesis for the first time. This Noahite covenant of seven commandments was made 657 years after the creation of Adam. Whereas the Sinai covenant with Israel and the 13 commandments was not made until the year 2448 after Adam, a mere 791 years later, For well nigh eight centuries, all 70 families of humankind were only known as Noahites or the children of Noah. Actually, six of these laws were given to Adam, and only the seventh was given to Noah. To correlate these dates to the common era, E-R-R-O-R, not Era. The flood was 4,190 years, and Mount Sinai was 3,318 years before the Christian year 2006. It's figured for last year. The seven laws of Noah are included in the 1613 commandments in the Sinai. And all the Ten Commandments are not elaborated on in the seven uh, in the seven laws given to Noahites. It is it in actuality they sound similar. The Noahite laws are in some aspects distinctly different from the Ten Commandments. For example, abortion is not for, forbidden in the so-called Ten Commandments. Yet in the seven laws of Noah it is stated 
he that sheds man's blood in man or a person, I will avenge. Hence we see that the seven laws of Noah are indeed distinctly different from the so-called Ten Commandments. The five books of Moses, the Torah, or in Greek called the Pentateuch, is called the complete word of God. The truths unfold, spreading petal as a rose until they can pass the entire Tanakh, the prophets, and the holy writings of the Jewish scripture. In the book of John, it says, And the Torah became flesh and dwelt among us. Beginning with the first part of that in Archeho Logos, in the beginning was the Torah. He ha Torah And the Torah was before God was. This may sound a little bit strange. But then it goes on to say in verse 11, And the Torah became flesh and dwelt among us. The Torah was personified in seven men. They were Adam, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. This is the genesis of the revelation of Torah, of creation of all human families in the earth and all times and places of their existence. So the Torah was personified in Adam, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. And this is the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis alone contains and conceals every rudiment of the revelation that was given to the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. Genesis also contains all, sort of tucked away and hidden, all that was given to Moses on Mount Sinai. Even more, Genesis contains all that are in the Holy Prophets, the Holy Writings, which is called the Tanakh, or what the Christians mistakenly call the Old Testament. All of this is in the book of Genesis. That is to say, the first 50 chapters of the Jewish scriptures contain the seed particles that sprout and grow into the entire Tanakh. And I'll repeat, the word Tanakh is a contraction. The T is, uh, the T-A is for Torah, the N-A is for Nabi'im, and the C-H is for Chatuvim, or the writings. So the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and their descendants were Noah were B'nai Noah under the Noahite covenant, covenant until the Hebrews of the Jacob clan were separated from the other 70 nations at Mount Sinai. This separation on Israel, the people of Israel, from Ameh Olam, meaning the people of the world, this did not negate the Israelites from remaining Noahites and remaining subject to the seven laws of the first covenant. The Mosaic covenant did not replace the Noahite covenant. The Sinai covenant was given in tandem to the Iraq covenant. Sinai did not replace Ararat. 
Noahite laws are unrestricted and universal. No Jewish person is exempt or bypassed for observing the Noahite laws. The Noahite laws are the foundation of the Sinai Code. Inversely, the 613 commandments are to the opposite side, not at all universal. But for the most part, the 613 commandments are emphatically restricted to Israel. These judicial Sinai decrees are in general directed only to the people of Israel. The exceptions are when a commandment is stressed as Adam or Ish, which is translated man, as in Deuteronomy 24 and Leviticus 1-2. If any man of you, Deuteronomy 24, if any man of you has taken a wife and married her, And then in Leviticus 2.1 it says, If any man of you will bring an offering to the Lord, he shall bring of it his own free will and volition. These usually occur when a particular commandment is corresponding to a specific Noahite law. These restrictions extend farther than just to the people of Israel. Inside the community, the 613 laws fan out and dovetail in all directions. Some of these laws apply only to men, while others apply solely to women. Certain laws apply only to the kings, while other laws are directly exclusively to the judges and the system of jurisprudence. Some of the specific 613 commandments are strictly to the high priest, while different laws are only to the thousands of common priests. Meanwhile, the other 613 commandments directly to the Levites. Nevertheless, while within the Levite family, there are certain laws uh, particularly different to the sons of Merari as they are to the sons of Gershom and even more so to the sons of Kohat. Some of the 613 commandments are agricultural laws that apply only to farmers. Rabbi Akiva and his son Yehuda Hanasi, Judah the Prince, codified these laws into six tractates called the Mishnah. They existed before Akiva and Yehuda the Prince only codified so that all of the laws having to do with uh, with men are put in one section. All the laws that have to do with women are getting put in another section. All the laws that have to do with the uh, Sanhedrin are put into a category called Sanhedrin. And those to women is, are called Nishim which means women. Even the prophet Balaam recognized that the Israels were set apart from all other peoples. The book of Numbers chapter 3 and verse 9, Balaam said, From the top of the rocks I see him. From the hills I behold him. Behold, this people shall dwell alone and not be reckoned among the nations. 
based on this, I've always wondered what Israel is doing in the United Nations when they in the United Nations they have rooms like for Jordan and they have there the god uh, Molech and in the uh, room for Italy they have Zeus but they objected to the Ten Commandments being put in the uh, United Nations so the Ten Commandments were put on the outside of the UN which affirms the words of Balaam Israel shall dwell alone and not be reckoned among the nations whereas in contrast the seven laws of Noah are not so distinctly and dramatically listed as Israel's Torah the Noahite laws are presented in illusion uh, in an illusion drawn from the dr dramatic uh, dynamics of primal human stories etched in flesh and blood the drama of Adam and Eve and the tragedy of their violation all come under what I call the tale of the snake the antidote in the in Eden dramatized the outstretched first three laws of Noah against blasphemy, idolatry, and theft. Yet it is not so simply stated, Thou shalt not blaspheme, thou shalt not idolize, or thou shalt not steal. But we see that these these commandments emerge out of the tragedy of human experience. <clears throat> the next, I would like to pose a question: What was God's mood and disposition when He gave the Ten Commandments at Mount Sinai? All translations of the Ten Commandments fail to convey the tenor of the language in which they're written. The Ten Commandments are given to Israel a theory of sledgehammer commands, thou shalt and thou shalt not. The tenor of these top ten across, come across as strong, harsh imperatives. Yet in the Hebrew verb house, they do not occur in the imperative or the peak of the house, but rather in the soft, gentle, buoyant, almost pillow-topped, whispering tones of the pa'al or kal house of the verb. They're sort of a pillow-talk intonation. Give me your ears, O Israel, so that I may whisper I am the Lord your God love me suddenly you will have no other gods surely you will remember to guard the Sabbath and hallow it in other words the verb form of it in the Hebrew is not the imperative the strongest house but the pi'al which is actually the weakest house from the year 2000 3760 BCE or was the year 1 AH or Anahonimus back to the tale of the snake narrative the connotation of Adam's Eve's and our own violation are etched 
not in sapphire stones, but rather in our souls and conscience. That still small voice, the austere consequences of our perenni, uh, peren, primo parents and our own transgression. We were all embodied in Adam and Eve, physically, spiritually, and psychologically. Adam and Eve remain hitherto embodied in us. It's not the question if we were there, that means in the Garden of Eden, for in actuality we were all there. In each of us, there is an Adam. In exile from the garden, in need of restoration. In the tale of the snake, the incidents in Genesis chapter 3 is the curse of the law. Get that. The curse of the law is restricted to and only concerns the solitary section of the entire Torah specified as a curse of the Torah. Snake, Eve, Adam, and even the ground and vegetation were cursed. In Paul's reference in Galatians 3.13, where he said the curse of the law is referring exclusively to this precise section of the tail of the snake in the Torah study. Theologians are totally ignorant of the, the Torah in general because they totally ignore the Torah. They are even more ignorant with regard to the Torah in particular because they accordingly ignore rabbinic commentary. They have taken this specific restricted Pauline statement, the curse of the law, in Genesis chapter 3, and spread it like mayonnaise over the entire five books of Moses. In effect, they have taken this specific restricted statement by Paul and spread it like mayonnaise over the entire Jewish scripture, which they seethingly and sarcastically referred to as the Old Testament. The term Old Testament implies obsolescence, antiquated, or abolished. That is exactly what the theologians intended for the term Old Testament to infer. My mother, to a blessed memory, when she found out she was pregnant, she got home, opened the Bible to Genesis 1-1, rolled up a newspaper like a megaphone, and began to read the scripture into her stomach because she believed the fetus could learn. And evidently, I'm a proof that it does. She never, one time, read from the New Testament. When I got to seminary, I knew the, the Jewish scripture better than the professors. But man, when it came uh, to the New Testament, I was a total ignoramus. I got home and asked her why she never read from the New Testament. She said, well, I'm glad you asked. First of all, the New Testament was not written until centuries after the facts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John did not write the New Testament. It was written. and finished about the 7th century, about the time the Quran 
was given. She said the word Old Testament, she says, I do not believe the Old Testament. She said, I believe the Jewish scriptures. And that's all I ever read to you boys. Because the uh, the term New Testament implies things that it really shouldn't mean. In the fourth century CE, stepping in another step in history, <coughs> Jerome or Hieronymus in the Ecclesiastic Historia stated <coughs> the children of Noah are far greater enemies of the Gospels than are the Jews. So these Noahites were a thorn under the saddle of these early church fathers. In 1776, the Common Era, which is 5536 from Adam, Haim Solomon, the unsung hero of the New Republic, saw Rhode Island as an example, as a pattern for a nation established on the concepts of the Seven Laws of Noah. A nation established with freedom of religion, not freedom from religion. Haim Solomon wrote the first draft of the Constitution, designed the National Seal, financed George Washington and the American Revolution. Haim Solomon took Hamilton, Jefferson, Adams to France and secured a letter to Lafayette to turn over all the French arms to General Washington for the war against the British. Solomon loaned Washington 600,000 British sterling to finance the American Revolution, a debt that was never repaid. Later, Solomon saved the Republic from financial collapse. A U.S. postage stamp was issued in 1974 that bore the accreditation of Simon Solomon and his contribution to the establishment of the Republic of the United States of America. Contrary to popular thought, the founding fathers of the United States were not practicing Christian. They were, for the most part, theist or deist. All of the founding fathers of this country were members of the Masonic Order, Masonic Lodge. And the Masonic Lodge was originally called the Order of the children of Noah. Because of their interest in rebuilding of the Temple of Solomon and restoring Jewish temple worship, they became known as a Masonic order. Arthur Pike, who is considered the father of Freemasonry, wrote a 800-page book for Masons rightly declaring that the New Testament was not to be considered scripture. And it's for this reason that many evangelicals oppose Freemasonry. There is no reference to Jesus Christ or to Christianity appears in any document related to the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, or the Bill of Rights. The entire 
codex of these documents embraces the seven laws of Noah. In this, America is unique. The Republic of the United States of, of America was not established as a Christian nation, and our founding fathers were not born-again spirit-filled Christians, as some people have taught. B'nai Noach is not something new. It's actually the oldest and original covenant that God made with mankind. In reality, it is not even a religion. The seven Noahite laws are universal, social, moral code, ob ob uh, obligatory on all mankind, in defiance of religion, race, color, creed, or national origin. In 1985 uh, and 86, President Ronald Reagan issued an official document on April the 10th, 1985, affirming that the Republic of the United States was founded on the precepts of the seven Noahite laws. Again, on November the 20th and 87. President Reagan issued a second similar statement. I want to, to go now to the uh, resolution. The resolution of the uh, on that uh, March 20th 1991 a joint resolution this is public law 102-14 in the 102nd Congress the act was signed into law by the President, Senate, Congress acting together and issued the resolution concerning seven Noahite laws. The resolution reads, Whereas the Congress recognizes the historical tradition and ethnic values and principles which is a basis for all civilized society upon which our great nation was founded. Whereas these eth ethical laws and principles have been the bedrock of society from the dawn of civilization, which are known as the seven Noahite laws. Whereas without these ethical values and principles, the edifice of civilization stands in peril are returning to chaos. Whereas society is profoundly concerned with recent weaknesses of these principles, which has resulted in crisis, resulted in crisis, and belinger the threat, the threaten the fabric of civilized society. Whereas. The justified preoccupation with these crises must not let the citizens of this nation lose sight of their responsibility to transmit these transmit these historical ethnic values from our distinguished past to the generations of the future. Whereas the Barbature movement has fostered and promoted these ethnic values and principles throughout the world. Whereas Rabbi Menachem Schneerson, leader of the Lubavitcher movement, is universally 
respected. On his 89th birthday, which falls March 26, 1991, or as a tribute to this great spiritual leader, the Rebbe. This his 90th year will be seen as education and giving. The year that we turn to education and charity and return the world to its moral ethnic values contained in the seven Noahite laws. Whereas this will be reflected in an international scroll of honor signed by the President of the United States and other heads of states. And now, therefore it be resolved by the Senate and the House of Representatives of the United States of America. And Congress assembled on March 26, 1991 at the start of the 90th year of Rabbi Menachem Stearson the leader of the Worldwide Lubavitch Movement, be designated as Education Day USA. The President is requested to issue a proclamation calling for the people of the United States to observe such a day in appropriate ceremonies and activities. This was entered as Public Law 102-14 March 20, 1991, 105, step, point 45. And this was approved on March 20th, 1991, and the legislative history, uh, the con Congressional Record 137, in March the 5th, considered and passed by the House, and March the 7th, considered and passed by the Senate. We have a... On July the 1st, 1990, I went to visit the Rebbe, Rabbi Stearson, and he gave me a triple blessing. He said, Bindle Jones, you are doing the most important work in the world. No one is doing a more important work than you are. Some people are going to try to stop you. Others are going to try to make you change and do things differently. Don't change and don't stop. And God will bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. And uh, he, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take a million dollars for that blessing. And uh, on April thirtieth, nineteen ninety. The Institute of Judaic Christian Research, now renamed Bendel Jones Research Institute, rented the Fort Worth Convention Center for reestablishing B'nai Noah. The chief Sephardic rabbi, Mordecai Eliyahu, sent Menachem Bursting from Israel to reestablish B'nai Noah under the authority of the rabbinate of Israel. Mr. Yitzhako Ken was brought as a translator. This is the first time for B'nai Noah to formally exist since Constantine outlined B'nai Noah in the Council of Nicaea in 325 CE. That's formally. But informally, B'nai Noah never ceased to exist. My mother, Vera, and Uncle Clyde, and Grandfather Isaac Wainscott 
were B'nai Noachs, even though they never heard of the word B'nai Noach. I mentioned how my mother rolled up a newspaper from the time she found out she was pregnant. And uh, by the time I got here, she had read through the entire uh, Jewish scriptures plus the 14 books of the Apocrypha and got back to Numbers chapter 19. This Bible one hour each evening to me and my brother, Jerry. She never once read a verse from the New Testament. My grandfather, Isaac Wainscott, was churched or put in harem from a Baptist church for denying the authority of the New Testament. They never heard the word that they know of, yet they were Noahites. After the conference in the convention center in Fort Worth, there was an explosion. Groups in Scandinavia known as the Tents of Shem declared themselves B'nai Noah. Other groups in Australia, South Africa, England, decided to declare themselves Noah. Headed by the late Ralph Mount, several other countries identified themselves as Noahites. The Druze in the Golan Heights in Israel and in Lebanon proclaimed themselves to be Noahites. They always were. But once we reestablished the Nainoah movement, the Druze uh, identified with it. The Druze are the descendants of Jethro, Moses' father-in-law. And when Solomon built the temple, not one single Jew worked on the temple. But the strangers, which were not of the people of Israel, who were the Druze, the descendants of Jethro, built Solomon's temple. Now I want to come to a meeting of B'nai Noah in India. In uh, 2003, was attended by over 3,000 Noahites. This shows that Hashem was doing this. I didn't know them. They didn't know me. I had nothing to do with it. Now I want to come to the. Uh, what is B'nai Noach and what are the seven laws of Noach? If you cannot answer these two questions, you need not feel insulted or ashamed. If you ask the average person on the street, any clergyman, academic professor, any attorney, judge, you will be dismayed at how few, in fact, Anyone can answer either or both of these questions. That was before we started the Noah in uh, 1990. If they cannot so much as name the seven laws of Noah, how can they know to observe them? This is the reason that we have published this small paper to help you not only to know what are the seven laws of Noah so that you may adhere to them, but how that you too can have a part in the propagation and dissemination of these principles.
This can give you a knowledge and understanding for the guidelines in your personal life and for the benefit of world society as a whole. This Reverend Ralph Mount, the late Ralph Mount, that I mentioned a moment ago, was a missionary for the Sudan Interior Missions. And he went all over the Sudan establishing churches. When Benay Noak was established, he wrote me a letter telling me that he had gone back to Africa and all the churches that he established, he converted to Benay Noak congregations and got them to begin to study Torah. There was a Sol Bonet is a Israeli company that uh, builds uh, a lot of uh, factories and so forth in uh, Africa. This uh, black pastor told his foreman, the Israeli, that they didn't want any more missionaries. Every time a missionary came, they had a different theology, and they were going to start studying, beginning in Genesis, studying the Jewish Bible. So this foreman notified the chief rabbinate of Israel, and they sent a rabbi to Nigeria to uh, teach this congregation the seven Noahide laws and how to study Torah. The Middle East nations are primarily Muslim. In the Far East, even the smallest nation have their ethnical national religions. The greatest uh, difference between the establishment of the Republic of the United States of America and other nations happened by metaphor, uh, metaphoric change internally. The original 13 American colonies were extension of the European uh, church states or state churches. The only exception was Rhode, uh, Rhode Island, which was established by Roger Williams as a free religious state. All the other uh, colonies were, had a church affiliation. But Roger Williams established Rhode Island as a religious free state. It's difficult to understand why the garb of human history seems to be stitched together with the bloody needle of religious wars. More human lives have been sacrificed on the altar of religious wars than any other cause. It goes on even today. North Island, in the, uh, North Island, the murder of civilians between war between Protestants and Catholics in Bosnia and later Kosovo in the name of ethnic cleansing over 200,000 innocent billions on both sides are dying in orthodoxy. Catholic Muslim wars. In the Middle East, five major wars have been waged against the Jewish state by their Islamic neighbors. This conflict brought to death hundreds of thousands of Muslims and Jews alike. Even within the Islam, the Sunni and the Shiite Muslims are killing each other. As well as the case of the Iraq, Iran decade of war and the PLO Hamas terrorists are murdering other Palestinians who are accused as collaborators with Israel. 
Hamas capture and torture and mur murder each other in their vie for power and control. The Islamic fundamentalists terrorize the established civilized Muslim governments. Man is the only creature on earth that is deemed on destruction of his own kind. All that senseless slaughter is committed in the so-called name uh, of religion. Mere religion short-circuits the mind and blows all the fuses of uh, rational reasoning. Let me repeat that. Dogmatic religion can short-circuit the mind and blow all the fuses of rational reasoning. The world does not need religion. The world needs to turn back to God, Torah, and Israel. Because that's what B'nai Noach is all about. We look back over the bloody stream of time in this 20th century alone. Things have not changed. World War I was initiated to restore the Holy Roman Empire. The Muslim Ottoman Turks murdered 1.6 million Armenian Christian civilians. World War II and the Holocaust were perp uh, perpetrated for the Nazis' final solution to the Jewish problem. The religion of the Soviet Union was atheism. Karl Marx taught religion is the op opium of the people. To eliminate the opium, the communists murdered millions of their own civilians, not to mention even more millions of other peoples. Saddam Hussein murdered over one million Iranis, several thousand of his own courage with weapons of mass destruction, thousands of his own Sunni Iraqi citizens during his reign of terror. When the Israelis destroyed his nuclear plant in Osara, they brought over 5,000 kilotons of rich plutonium. At that time, that was over half of the world's supply of enriched plutonium. This is only named a few of the ugliest, hideous, outrageous tragedies of our modern 20th century which has sown on every ground and every continent and landmass with the blood of corpses. Why, oh God, and how is this pillage and bleak devastation of human life and all of it done in your name? A great portion of it in the name of Allah. Not only these wars savage humanity, even more are the violent murders, rapes, thefts, white-collar embezzlements, murderous abortions, sexual perversion, blasphemies, and idolatry. These are mores are not only acceptable as a norm in society, but in the unjust judicial system, not only permit such barbarous violations, but also makes laws to protect the transgressors. To be PC, politically correct, in today's society is reduced to scoffing at the Bible in the name of scholarship. On every level of religious education, this scholarship has replaced scholarship 
expelling God from our educational system in the name of freedom from religion rather than freedom of religion. All the beauties of creation are thus result of evolution without a creator. While earthquakes, hurricanes, tornadoes, death by lightning, devastated floods are always called the acts of God. Kind of contradictory, isn't it? Religion is not the answer. God forbids. Religion is much more the cause of war. Blasphemies, idolatries, mere religion does short-circuit your brain. Religion hands over your ability to think for yourself to, to a clergy which finds it hard to resist of exerting mind control over you for his own institution's agenda and interest. God forbids that we substitute mere religion in our educational system of simply aware of the Creator and His beauty of creation in the seven simple laws of social consciousness and moral conduct that are embedded in them. Sometimes people are shocked when I say I am not religious. The reason I'm not religious is religion interferes with my faith and my personal direct relationship with Creator. Religion is horizontal while faith is vertical. The seven laws of Noah landscape that vertical faith into human relationships in a simple moral social code. The solution to this dilemma lies in educating people to know and guard the seven laws that God the Creator gave to Noah and his children. Humanity has departed so far from these seven laws that people forget these eternal God-given principles. When clergymen, religious professors, and the average person cannot even name the seven laws of Noah. One cannot forget something he never knew any more than he can return from a place he's never been. Neither can we observe the seven laws of Noah if we can't even name them. The seven laws of Noah are not a religion, nor is B'nai Noach a religion. B'nai Noach is not something you join. We're all already the children of Noah. They transcend mere religion and go beyond even the norms of ethnic and uh, religious ethics and morals. The Noahite laws far supersede mere religion. They are universal and timeless. These ancient laws, moral principles, and human social values state in some form the seven laws of Noah. The my last point today is the Code of Hammurabi. The Code of Hammurabi, for example, embodies the seven laws of Noah. We are told that Hammurabi was contemporary with Abraham. They they both uh, they were both from the same place and time and region in Mesopotamia. The word Hammurabi can also be interpreted as a title. Ha, Mora, teacher, Rabbi, means exalted teacher. It simply means a great teaching rabbi. If this title were changed to a name, and the, the article Hey dropped, it would simply become Marei Rabbi Rabbi inverted the spelling as the ancient mystics often did 
Hammurabi becomes Ibrahim, the Arabic form for Abraham. So Hammurabi and Abraham were perhaps not only contemporaries from the same time, time and region, but perhaps Hammurabi was Abraham. They were the same person. I'm going to have to close there. I think I'm out of time. I don't have time to go into the next... Uh, What's that? Next week. Okay, next week I will take up on how the Native Americans, misnamed Indians, had a no height moral code much higher than the missionaries who called the, uh, the Indian savages and came to convert them to Christianity. So we'll take up with that next week. God bless you. We look forward to seeing you Sunday afternoon for our Torah study.